I hated working out and training early morning and then going to the golf course and being so sore that I can't move, but I'm going to sit in the sun for five to eight hours a day and train my butt off. No, that part wasn't joyful. But at the end of the day, coming home, knowing that I had done everything I possibly could to be a better player made me feel good. I truly believe that I would not be the person that I am today if it wasn't for the sports, the connections, the relationships, the people I've met through golf has been huge. And even golf itself, golf to me is the closest sport that relates to life. You learn more about yourself in this game than anything else. Yes, it's safe to say, I stay in my lane. Always on time, never hesitate. Watch the execution, I'ma demonstrate. That is Tisha Abrea. I'm Andrew Connect, and this is the Unpretentious Podcast. Golf is more than just a game to Tisha. It's how she connects with her father, how she met Steph Curry and Michael Phelps, how she learned about herself and inspires other women. Here's how her journey in golf began. I have been golfing all my life. I, um, I just recently turned 25, and so I began golf when I was three years old. My dad introduced me to the game when I was very young. It was a means of us bonding, and I just never gave it up ever since. Started at three, uh, used it as a way to hang out with my dad all the time. He just took me and then started competing at around six slash seven years old and just kept going on with it, went through the junior golf aspect to the uh, uh, high school golf aspect to collegiate golf and then eventually to professional golf. And what's that world like as a as a female in golf? I mean, were you competing against other guys or what did that kind of look like? Mm -hmm. Well, actually, when I began, I had to go up against guys because I, I was born and raised in Illinois and there actually wasn't a junior girls division when I first began. So initially, yeah, I had to compete with the boys. And then uh, because I was such I was I was fairly impactful in the junior golf world in Illinois being one of the only girls I urged the one organization in Illinois to begin a women's a women's division and so that's how we started I started competing against other girls and yeah it's it's just a it's just been like a growing process and, so and how old were you when you urged them to start competing like you're already trying to make changes like when would <laughs> yeah so I um I was Okay, goodness. So I started competing at around six, going on seven. I became a top national competitor in Illinois around, I think, nine. And so I think within a couple of years of starting, I told them, like, hey, you all got to make a, a girls division. Like, I need to be up against girls, not up against boys. And so, yeah, it was within a couple of years of starting golf. I think I was nine years old, maybe eight or nine years old. You're already thinking I've got to make changes in the sport. <laughs> well, it wasn't it wasn't like like a, a very professional thing I did. Right. I just I came up to the organization because I was going up against boys and at, at first I, I wasn't winning, obviously like these kids were good and I'm, I was very small. And then I finally placed in my first boys division event and then I think I won one. And then when I finally won one, I kind of gained the respect and the courage to come up to the people in charge and, and tell them like, hey, like I'm the only girl, like I want to be up against more girls. I don't care if it's only me and two others, but you need to make a girls division. And then soon after they were like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And so that was that was basically that. And that, that organization I think still is around right now. It's called, I believe it's called IJGA, the Illinois Junior Golf Association. And so I don't even know if the organization remembers me, but 
um, the girls division exists because I told them like, hey, let's make one. So uh, that's so funny. I don't even think I've, I've said that to anybody. That seems to be like a theme of yours. Cause I mean, even today, if you look at your golf, I mean, it, it just seems to have started so young. So I'm just trying to figure out like one, how did you know golf was something that is gonna mean so much to you? And then two, I guess you're just kind of naturally inclined to, if you see something and you want to get something done, you're just the type of person who's gonna, um, I'm, I don't care if I'm 10, I'm going to ask people to change things. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is very much my personality. Just kind of when I, when I get so engrossed into an idea or I feel very passionate about something, I'm just that kind of person like, okay, let's just make it happen. Let's just, let's just do it now. And I, I mean, I never knew how big of a deal golf was going to be in my life. Obviously, mm. like at three years old, I didn't think, oh my God, golf is it. <laughs> like, I'm going to be a professional golfer. Like, I didn't I didn't know that. But I think just because growing up, golf was all I knew. Like, as much as, as long as I can remember anything, I remember golf being such a huge part of my life. And obviously, I've went through moments where I hated it and loved it. But I knew at the end of the day that golf had really shaped me to the person that I was. And... I just stuck with it. There were times when I was especially going through that awkward teenager phase where I just thought, oh, I'm just going to stick with it because I know I'm good at it and it's going to get me a college education and stuff like that. But then mm-hmm. uh, as I grew, I realized like, no, you know what? Like, I actually really do love this. I don't see myself doing anything else. I want to spread how much I love it to others. And so hence where I am, where I am now. But it's always been a love-hate relationship. I didn't like it every single time. I mean, competing is tough I hated it and loved it during competition because it's it's like competition is you know it's tough you got to have you have to be cutthroat and at seven years old nine Mm -hmm. years old 12 years old you don't exactly have that mentality all the time like you're a kid so yeah love hate relationship best way to say it and it sounds like one of the unique things about your childhood experience with golf at least from my background the sports I played it was never was that pressure to compete and to be the best was that all was that was that all coming from within yourself where you felt that need or was that kind of something where it's like, hey, if you're going to play golf, this is how you're going to play it? Or how did you get this mentality you need to be cutthroat? I think I've just always kind of been that way. I've always been extremely competitive. And so I had that within me. But then also, too, like there was pressure from my parents. Like, if you want to do this, you've got to be the best at it. And so a lot of it growing up was to make my parents proud, to do, to be really great at something. And um, it was ultimately like a huge way my family and I bonded. I was an only child till I was, mm-hmm. what, 12 years old. So that was kind of our, our way of vacationing and stuff. It was going to my golf tournaments, playing well and all that. And then to myself, I've just always been very, very, uh, not cutthroat, but like I said, competitive and always wanted to achieve and be the best at whatever I did. Even at a young age, I always knew like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to, I'm going to win kind of attitude. So I've always had that. I am curious to see how common that mentality is amongst the, you know, professional athletes of this highly, mm-hmm. Rex, that's all, like you're saying, this is, I'm a kid going on vacation, but yet it's coming with, I sure hope I do well in this tournament, or it's going to feel like the yeah. whole trip was a letdown or something. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely went through those feelings. Yeah, that is, yeah which is fine if you're an adult too, right, but as a kid, it's like, that's a lot of, you know, like you're saying, that's a lot of pressure to learn how to handle at a young age. Mm-hmm. You'd mentioned that golf was something that I helped you like pay for college or the scholarship so where how Mm -hmm. how far like playing golf have you gone with that in terms of your career or what did you go to college for oh yeah so I I went to uh, Cal State Fullerton and I went to college for being a I I studied broadcast journalism 
um, which has essentially really helped my career now. But yeah, golf has, has ultimately led me to that point. I, uh, I was very fortunate. I received a full scholarship to a D1 university. Um, I have been obviously competing and playing all my life. I went through the whole recruiting process all through my sophomore year of high school to senior year of high school and committed at the very end or um, uh, the first semester of my senior year of high school. That's when I committed to mm. my university and I have golf to thank for that, for giving me my education. But essentially, I mean, when people, a lot of people will tell me like, oh, you know, you're so lucky that you had it all covered. But when you, when you think about it in, in hindsight, it's basically my, my parents' investment um, into my college education, but was spread out through my childhood because of all the money spent towards tournaments and competing, you know, all that, if you add that up all together throughout my lifetime of competing between seven to 17 years old, that all equates to my college education. So, so is it just a common misperception that people just want to imagine that you walked into college and you're just like, ah, I think I'll do golf. Whereas like you're saying, you have a decade of traveling and putting in money and time. It, do you think that's kind of the common road towards people who are getting scholarships or every now and then is there just somebody who, you know, they walk in and discover they're really good at golf. Like how much do you mm -hmm. think of it? It's like this hard work and decades, even at 17, you've already put 10 years in. How do you kind of have a feel yeah. for that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think especially any other, I think any other athlete understands that, that it doesn't even mean just golf, but if you receive a scholarship to a university, you have put your time and energy into your sport. Mm -hmm. And women's golf is actually known for being, it's not, maybe easiest is not the right word, but I'm going to use that word right now, but it, it's the most tangible scholarship in all of sports, women's golf, um, to get a scholarship in. And, mm -hmm. and so even with that, uh, within other golfers, you know that if you get a scholarship to a D1 university uh, for golf, you know that you've put in the time and effort. Like, to, to just to be any athlete, honestly, it's like you you don't just walk in and be like, oh, I'm just going to try out for this. This isn't high school. To have the privilege of being a, a, an athlete at a university means that you've put, you know, blood, sweat, and tears into it. I don't really know of any story where it's like, hey, I'm good at this. Let's try this. And uh, you get it. Like, it's not like that. You don't just walk into it. You've, you've worked hard for it. At that high of a level. Like you're saying, that may work earlier mm -hmm. on, but when you're at yeah certain levels of competition, just forget about it. And a lot of people maybe mm -hmm. don't have that respect for the amount of work it takes, like they're saying, because yeah. they don't, they may not know an athlete or not know someone at that level and what it really took to get there. Right. What has golf meant to you? I mean, it's just, it's been like this huge part of your life. What's playing, I guess, specifically playing golf been, I mean, what's that meant to you? I mean, golf is basically my life. Like I said, I don't know any anything else besides it, but it, it, it means the world to me. Like, I truly believe that I would not be the person that I am today if it wasn't for the sports. I mean, the connections, the relationships, the people I've met through golf has been huge. And even golf itself, like golf to me, is obviously people can argue this but golf to me is the closest sport that relates to life like you learn more about yourself in this game than anything else that i could ever recall uh, you learn patience you learn perseverance you learn you learn everything um through golf and like i said the connections you make too is just another level like golf is that one sport that by chance everyone just loves to play it's a sport that you could play till the very end of your life retired athletes get into it, um, women and men get into it, all ages get into it, and it's just a means of connecting 
like for me, it has connected me to such different people that if I didn't have golf, I know that I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be able to speak to you like the way I am right now. So it's golf is everything. You mentioned like golf taught you patience, perseverance for people who aren't familiar with golf, which I I put myself in that category. I mean, I played once Mm -hmm. or twice. It just, well, you're just hitting a ball around, right? So help, can you help us understand why this has been like such a eye-opening experience in terms of you understanding yourself. Yeah, so I mean, for those who may not know so much about golf or maybe have has just even tried one time, it takes so much focus and energy and preciseness just to hit one good shot. Like even as a professional golfer, you will only hit maybe 10 to 20% of your shots good or solid. And imagine someone who is just now starting into golf the chances of them hitting a solid shot is like 1% in their first session ever. But it's that one shot that makes you want to keep trying because mm-hmm. it's such a good feeling to hit that one good shot. And so alone with that teaches you patience. Now imagine taking it from a beginner level to a competitive level. You have to be patient in order to succeed in this sport because you don't hit the shot perfect every time. Or you could hit a great shot and you could be given the worst scenario you could hit a great shot and be put into a crap lie like there's just so much with that Mm. and so with that you learn perseverance because you have to fight through all the extremities that come with golf and uh, and also too like golf is such a mental game if you just play one full round of 18 holes and you could be a beginner you could be a professional you could be on, on the junior level whatever it is golf is a game that is played a lot between your ears meaning it's, it's all in your head. A lot of it is in your head. Like once you get the technique down, a lot of it is just a battle with yourself. You can mentally psych yourself out of a shot so easily. Like you can have a negative mindset before you hit a shot and that will end your entire round. One shot can end your entire round, can, can mess up your score and everything. So you have to be in this mindset of like believing in yourself, knowing that you can execute the shot as well as everybody else, and keep up that kind of mindset for four to five hours because that's how long 18 holes take. Mm. And so if a person who wasn't a golfer, they may not understand what I'm saying right now, but I strongly encourage anyone who's listening to this, go out, try and hit a bucket of balls <laughs> and see what I mean. It's hard. You, you're probably going to miss half, half your shot. You're probably going to just top it or just miss the ball in general. You're not even going to hit it. And when you finally hit that one good shot, you'll know what I'm saying. You're going to want to keep trying. And this mental to physical connection, is that something unique about golf as a sport? It's like football, if you're catching the ball, your hands can be a little bit twitching because you're nervous. You just have to catch a football, mm-hmm. right? You can cradle it in your chest. Whereas with golf, it all comes down to how you grip the club and the mechanics of your swing. And that's all going to be much more dramatically impacted by like your mental state compared to other sports. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean... It's, it's weird because, like, let's say in baseball, I, or actually maybe I, I don't really know too much about baseball, but I'm, I'm pretty positive that you don't necessarily break down your baseball swing, right? Like, mm. you, a lot of it will come naturally. Like, maybe, yeah, you'll work on the way your arms come in or the way you pivot and stuff. But with golf, you literally break down your swing to, like, what exactly is your right elbow doing in it? Like, it's, it's insane how, how precise you are in the game and all and be and along with how precise you have to be with your swing and how meticulous you have to be with the mechanics of it yes the mental aspect is very difficult because if you're not if you're not level-headed if you're not calm it affects everything like when you're nervous on the first tee it's it's literally like 
the worst feeling to be jittery and have to make this one swing matter to start off your round because mm-hmm. a lot of people believe that your first shot's going to decipher how your round goes, you know? And so if you don't have your heart rate down or you don't feel like you're in the right mindset, it, it completely affects your shot. You could have practiced and hit a cabillion balls, but if you are so nervous that you can't mm-hmm. even like hold the club properly, it doesn't matter. Like you're probably going to mess up the shot if you're not, if you're, if your heart rate isn't low or if you're not, like I said, if you're not in the right mindset, it doesn't matter how much you practice. You have to be, you have to have it together. So. I read some things where it's like, it looked at, looked like at one point you got past your superstitions or it's like putting a quarter, was that right? Putting a quarter in your shoe. I had learned all these like crazy things like, oh, if you put quarters in, in your shoe, it'll take away all your, your negative energy, blah, blah, blah. And honestly, it was just really uncomfortable to walk with a quarter <laughs> in your shoe for five hours. So yeah, I mean, at some point you just, for me personally, I just like let it all go. Like I had to play with a certain golf ball that had a certain number on it. I had to make sure I went through this exact routine before I played. And then at some point it was just like, this is too much. Like I can't let these superstitions define the way my round is going to go. If mm-hmm. I play well, I play well. If you don't, you don't. So that mental game, I mean, there's got to be one you're, you know, you're eight years old playing you just, your first tournament you traveled to, or it's like I traveled 500 miles to get here. That's an amount of pressure. And then your first game where there's another pro playing with you or a TV there. I mean, what are the different competition levels that you noticed? Was there different like levels you had to then learn almost a new mental toughness? Definitely. I mean, it through every, honestly, it doesn't, it didn't matter through every single competition that I've played from when I was seven years old to any of my more recent professional tournaments that I've played in the amount of nervousness that I felt has always been the same. Hmm. And I think that that's, or maybe I've been able to control it a little better later on in my career, but I've always been very nervous on the very first tee or the very first few holes. And that's just because I care. Mm. Like if I lost that nervousness feeling, that would just tell me like, I don't care about the sport or I don't care about competition anymore. Um, but as you, as I grew, you definitely, I definitely saw the changes in competition and the level that I needed to be at in time. Like for every single step of the way through from junior golf, just playing within Illinois, to then representing Illinois and playing on a national level, there was a mm-hmm. huge difference. The competition was different. To high school level, it was different. To collegiate level, it was extraordinarily different because now you're playing with top girls from top universities around um, the United States, and there are girls who transfer to these universities from outside the United States that you're up against. And then to professional, which was probably the biggest eye-opening level change because it's just there's just so many good girls and you have to be at, at at a certain level in your head and and even through your mechanics of your game it's just different and I've been able to I've been very fortunate enough to be able to walk with athletes that are not necessarily golfers but are have been very successful in their field and I've been able to have the opportunity to walk with just simply watch and walk with the top female golfers or top male golfers in in the world and it's just different like you just it's just a different level I can't I don't even know how to put it into words curious to try to draw that out of you because that's something I've not even experienced but to kind of catch us up on your story so you went to college for broadcast journalism while also Mm -hmm. playing golf and now so is the broadcasting side is that something you've also made part of your career yeah that's actually more so where I'm I'm leaning towards now so 
um, as much as I enjoyed being uh, playing professionally and everything, I think I'm, I'm I'm actually winding down on the professional side. I actually haven't even competed this year. This is the first year I haven't um, thrown myself into a tournament. Hmm. And a lot of it is because a lot of my passion is in broadcast journalism and speaking and preaching about golf and being in front of camera and talking about golf. And so, yeah, that my degree has really, really helped me in what I do now, especially being a social media quote unquote personality because you have to literally put yourself in front of your phone 24 <laughs> 7 and so yeah I, I learned a lot about that in college so that's definitely where I'm leaning towards right now okay and then I've seen like you've mentioned the pro athletes I've seen like there's there's you with Michael Phelps there's you with Steph Curry like you're saying across all mm -hmm. these fields and then you yourself have like you're saying you have this fiery competitive spirit do you think that's what it takes to be a world-class top athlete like have you noticed in just observing or talking to them do you kind of get the sense they kind of have the same mentality and mindset you do? Yeah, totally. Um, yes. Walking with like the top female golfers or the top male golfers and, you know, like being around people like Michael Phelps, who just enjoys golf or Steph Curry. I had the opportunity to literally walk a whole 18 holes with him and literally be within feet of him and talk to him and stuff. Like if I feel like I have such a strong energy towards being so competitive and fiery, these guys, it's just next level. Like, they live, breathe, and die their sport. Like, they're so good at what they do. Like, and they're, and what, what's so cool is that they're so specific. Like, for example, like, when you hear about, like, well, it was cool because I got to sit in on a Q&A with Michael Phelps. And I don't know anything about swimming. I mm -hmm. honestly can't even swim myself, myself. I can't swim at all. So, like, just hearing them talk about their sport and their how specific they are in the way they trained their mm. routine their you know just just their drive it's just it's just next level like they like there's a reason why they're really great at what they do like if you think that you have discipline listen to the way that these guys go about their life and their profession like Steph Curry hearing his routine and his training and his work ethic that's next level like there, it, there's a difference between what these guys do, their their mental, their like the way their mentality is and their work ethic is. That's why that they're set. They're they're be able to. They're on a different level. They're just set on a higher bar. Like that's just awesome to hear that. Like you're saying, that's that's what it takes. Do you think it's easy to be happy in that mindset? Do you feel like this is coming from a place of joy, all this discipline? Or do you almost think there's like this fear of becoming complacent where if, you know, I'm using almost negative motivation, which I hear those stories, which is every hour I'm not in the gym or I'm not training, there's some person mm -hmm. who is getting better than me. And that almost feels mm -hmm. like a very like place of like, you know, fear and negativity to be driving yourself. Do you think a lot of it's negative? Or is a lot of it just positive that this is, I love being the best and this is what it takes and all mm -hmm. kind of your feeling around that? No, I, I, I think it, it obviously comes from both. I mean, the one thing between these really amazing athletes is that at the end of the day, they love what they do mm. and nothing is money driven. And if, it, and if that is the case for any athlete trying to make it or anyone in any sport trying to make it, if your goal is to make money, you will never make it. And I'm sorry if that's as blunt, like that's about as blunt as it's going to be like you have to love your sports or anything that you do for that matter at the end of the day if you really want to succeed granted like i know that like like you know when i walk with like reggie bush or whoever else like these guys no not not all the time their sure. love for their sport came from joy like mm -hmm. training at 
5 a.m. That's not joyful, but the <laughs> feeling, the feeling of, of not contentment, but of, of satisfaction, knowing that you've done everything in your physical and mental capacity to improve yourself in a day that that is what feels great that like that for me is what i felt was so joyful is no i hated working out and training early morning and then going to the golf course and being so sore that i can't move but i'm gonna sit in the sun for five to eight hours a day and train my butt off no that part wasn't joyful but at the end of the day coming home knowing that i had done everything i possibly could to be a better player made me feel good and knowing that I was trying to prepare myself the best I could for any event, whether it's just a mini tour event, I didn't care. It made me felt feel so much better. And like when I was with Michael Phelps, um, for a lot of time, he even said like a lot of my drive for some for some part of my career in the Olympics and and carrying I think the most gold medals among any Olympian was, he said, I don't ever want to lose. I, I hate the feeling of losing and mm-hmm. I never want to feel it again. And that's not exactly the best mindset. That's not exactly the most positive mindset, but it did bring out the most drive in him. And he did, he, he, he did love, he still does love swimming. So I think it's just a good mix of both positive and negative energy. Obviously you want everything to come from a positive place, but it, every athlete goes through both. Yeah, and Phelps is a good example, not to dive into his story, but you know, it's like you can be very successful in your career or in your sport and it and not spend the time you need to figuring out your own personal issues, which he's already evolved and gone through that story now, but that seems to be right. like, and I do have one example, like you're saying, no athlete at the top level. I have Kurt, Curtis Martin, he got in the Hall of Fame as a running back. His mm-hmm. Hall of Fame speech, he said this was the first time he actually had a passion for the sport after talking to people. And he shared his story, which was he grew up where I think like 26 people in his extended family got shot. And this football thing was the one skill he had where he could get out of, and he went into detail, like these horrible experiences he had growing up. So it's like Mm -hmm. he had all this passion and fire coming from almost a different thing, which is this is a way I can make money and get, and it's like it wasn't until the NFL Hall of Fame speech talking to other people that he truly got, like he described, like I feel more joy and connected to the sport than I ever did playing. But I think that is the exception where like you're saying 99% of everyone is probably like you're saying they're, they're not doing it for reasons like that because it's just such mm-hmm. a competitive, hard to succeed in if you're not giving it your all. But why do you think so many pro athletes want to play golf? I, well, I think, um, well, one, I think a lot of people go towards golf because it's a sport that isn't so hard on your body mm. um, as compared to other sports. I mean, it, it is hard, but I mean, you're not being tackled, right? You're, right. you're not getting hurt. And, mm-hmm. and also, too, when, when these, and these athletes, all, all of these successful athletes have one thing in common, and it's their competitiveness. And mm. when they can't compete in their sport anymore um, and they still want to stay athletic, like golf is that one sport that you can – have that competitive uh, fire energy and there's just no being perfect at it. Like golf is just one of those mm. sports that you can always, always, always just keep on improving. And these athletes find a, find a way to keep that competitive energy and still be, you know, an athlete. And, and, and so I, that's how I see a lot of um, baseball players, basketball players, um, uh-huh. you know, a lot of players, they just, they get into golf cause it's, it's doable. You can do it till literally you're 90 years old and it's a means of still being competitive. I see. And it, and it, and it, you learn a lot about yourself. Like I said, it's a, it's a whole different game. When I, 
um, I forgot who it was. I think it, I think it was Steph, uh, Steph Curry. And someone asked him when we were playing, like, why do you love golf so much to the point where you actually want to compete like in a mm-hmm. web.com event? Mm-hmm. And he's like, and he's like, because of the challenge, you know, like there's no other game like this. The challenge in golf, is just, it's just different. And for someone to, of that level, who is a very, you know, high level basketball player mm-hmm. really doesn't need to succeed in any other sport more so than his own. He's saying like, I just want to do this because of the challenge. Like, and I love it. It's an addiction. Golf is an addiction for some people. You mentioned even at, even, which is funny, even at age nine, you're already getting more <laughs> women involved in sport, but that's something that's continued today. So can you help me understand why that was just, you're looking for someone to compete with at that level. Now today, how big of a deal it is, is it for you to get other women involved in golf? Oh, it's, it's absolutely huge. I mean, it's literally what, what drives, like, it, it's what drives me. I have so much passion for getting women into the game simply because of how much golf has affected me and has changed my life. Like, it has on, it's gotten me out of trouble. It's helped me stay disciplined. It's helped me learn so much about myself. It's helped me make business connections um, better than any other, you know, I, it's the best way to network on the course, best mm-hmm. way to make deals on the course. Like, there's just so many ways that golf can benefit you. And I just want to shed that, that I just want to educate other women into using golf as a means of that to improve themselves in their life and in all aspects, business endeavors and personally, Um, because I I just know how much it's changed me. I know that it could help so many others. And, and golf, um, I actually just looked up the statistic last night and I believe there's only like 23% women that are the population of golf. And that just, it, it's, it's low, but it also shows how much room for improvement there is. And, and so my goal would be to increase that percentage and just get more women into it to, to learn exactly what I've learned in my lifetime of it. You don't need to be great, but just use it as a skill set. You could just make it a hobby and, it, and it'll just change your life at that. I see. So your passion is not necessarily coming from like this love of the golf industry and it's good for the demographics and the money if we grow it. It's your... Can you help us understand more of, like you're saying, the personal things it's done for you? What would, if a woman is listening, why, and she's like, why would I get into golf? I mean, how are you going to sell her on that? Of It's not just about being the world's best golfer. What are, I mean, you mentioned some of them networking and personal growth, but could you help them understand more what you mean by that? Yeah, exactly that. I mean, it's basically what I've been already saying for a lot of this podcast is that, I mean, the way golf has, has grown me as a person is, it's been the best life lesson and I'm only 25 and I can only imagine how this can affect someone else who's maybe starting at an older age to really find themselves. I mean, you through, like if I was to tell um, another woman, like why you should get into golf, I would tell you because you will learn so much about yourself and how much you can handle your mental capacity, um, Mm. personal growth, and you will not, you'll be able to make connections through the sport more so than you can possibly do it just in your own work work environment like this is this is for whatever reason a lot of business is made on the golf course ceos Mm -hmm. you know badass women badass men like they just like golf is is a way to connect and when you play golf with another person that's five hours on the course that you're really getting to know them and and it's it's just Mm it just brings everyone together like golf is the one sport that so many people want to try and and like i said i've met so many people so many business owners so many um just positive people 
I've met through golf and I just want other women to be able to share that same experience um, and just grow their network really. Fascinating because a lot of the a lot of people I've been talking to recently they're very much independent they're very much doing their own thing and it seems like one of the unifying themes is what speaks to them is whatever whatever area of life they're in they feel like this is how humanity connects mm-hmm. but it so it, it, what you're saying makes complete sense, but I've never, I mean, I guess I knew that, but I've never thought of it golf in those terms of being able to like professionally network or just what is it? Why this connection amongst golfers, like you're saying, I've heard other people, my friends talk about that, where it's like if you talk to another golfer, it's just there's something about golf that just connects to you. Is that something you kind of have to play to understand? I think, I mean, for anyone who thinks I'm just talking nonsense, you just have to give it a try. You just got to get out there and try it and you'll see it. And like the one thing that you'll, you'll notice in, in all these golfers, whether you're just at a competing at a really high level or you're just, you just love the sport. You just gain this like competitiveness and will to want to get better. And I think that's just really what, what brings everyone together because when you share that same energy, you just can make so many connections like business wise and whatever wise two ways that I've seen and maybe you can fill me on more that you have tried to help get other people not normally involved in golf and one of those was just your natural personality I guess you just enjoy dancing and that, that, yeah. that's part of what kind of like okay here's a you know here's a, a female golfer who's also dancing on the golf course which is kind of like new and then the other is you're on shot makers so I guess if you mm-hmm. just kind of tell kind of what both those experiences have been like and why you've kind of done it or how it just came about yeah, well, I actually used to be a competitive dancer. Um, I, I, anyone in the golf space or my good friends know this. They hear I'm like a broken record. Like I just keep saying how much I love to dance. And and when I grew up, I actually had to choose between dancing or golfing, and I chose mm. golf because I knew that that was essentially what was going to get me a scholarship. And mm. so, by coincidence, I just so happened to do a video with my younger sister, and she filmed me, and I did like this dance. This dance craze or whatever on the golf course and it just went around it went viral everyone loved it and I thought holy crap I just combined <laughs> the two things that I love and people love it like mm-hmm. I don't understand why people love it but cool let's do it and so that's kind of been my label in golf is like oh you're the one that dances on the course and I'm like heck yeah I do and it's <laughs> it's not it's not to gain attention it's not for any of that it's really just putting both my passions and both my love into one place and the one thing that a lot of people may argue is that oh golf is kind of boring or it's mm-hmm. hard to pick up because it's it's really slow to watch and stuff and that's what that's the one thing I try and show through my social channel is I try and show my love for life my love for dance my love for the game through through golf I just try and put my personality into golf and show others that you can enjoy it and you can love it as much as I do you don't need to be all proper and old school when it comes to golf no like golf is evolving golf is cool like golf is happening you know like everyone's getting into it all the athletes are getting into it girls are getting into it now and there's just so much more to the game you know and then also with with shot makers um i mean i I was very fortunate to be to be asked to be a part of the show and i was also very fortunate because all the girls in the cast are all literally like my best friends are all really really close they're all also golf influencers so to be on a show where we got to really all work together and be against each other. It was so much fun. And, and fortunately with that show, we were able to bring in, in our first episode, the youngest demographic and largest audience that they've ever had, I believe. Wow. And that's, 
and that was that was huge because that's everything that we're for. I mean, golf is known for being a not only a man's sport, but it's also known for being an older demographic sport. I believe the demographic is very high between 35 years old and older men. And so to be able to bring that younger demographic just shows that we can increase the longevity of golf itself. I've also been in uh, a pageant, which I'm not going to practice. You, you can tell me how to say the name. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it's, it's called, um, uh, at the time, it was called um, Bini, Bini Bining Filipinas, which essentially means like Miss Philippines. And so it's like Miss Philippines USA. That was the pageant that I was a part of, and that was in 2016. And that was just kind of like a thing I wanted to knock off my bucket list. Mm -hmm. uh, pageantry is so huge in my culture. It's insane. Like, it's like a sport. When Miss, when Miss Philippines goes into Miss Universe, it's like the, the world stops. Like, it's a big <laughs> deal. And so it's a part of my culture to, to want to join it. And it was something that I wanted to see, like, am I capable of being this? I've always been an athlete or known as an athlete all my life can I do something where I have to be poised and have to be extremely extremely girly and mm. very proper and stuff and and it was something that I did I it was an experience that I loved would I do it again I am not sure because it was it was honestly very difficult like it's not just you know standing up there and trying to look pretty it's you literally walk in seven inch heels for like three months straight you need to train yourself to be able to do it you need to learn how to look poised when you pose and when you mm. walk. And it's actually very hard. Like, it's hard to look good, <laughs> to attempt to look good doing these things. Like, you, these models or these other pageant girls, I, I was up against girls who had been training for this moment. And I was over here like, okay, yeah, let's, like, let's give it a go, you know? <laughs> so, right. yeah, super fun experience. I, I learned that I can be that way. I, I do know how to do that. I use a lot of what I learned in that pageant and just, like, life skills. Hmm. But I don't think I'd do it again. It was very painful. Thinking of the seven inch heels is very painful <laughs> for me right now. Could you do golf for your? Do they had a skill portion of that or no? <laughs> no, I mean you mean like a talent portion? Yeah, ta like, whatever. I'm not that familiar with it. Yeah, the talent. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a talent portion, and everyone knew I came into that. Like my bio for, um, for the Miss Philippines USA was essentially like oh, I'm a professional athlete trying to do this. So everyone knew that 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 was a part of me, but for my talent what that I auditioned for, I, I did a dancing piece. And, uh, and yeah, I couldn't exactly show my golfing ability on a stage, so <laughs> I had to figure it out, um, and so I chose dancing. And then it's fitness, is that something you're kind of getting into, or that realm, is that? Yeah, I mean, fitness is always a big part of just any, any athlete's life, right? And, and so for me, I've always been a very tiny person, and so, being growing in the gym has always been a part of my life in terms of trying to, you know, match distance with other players and then to keep up because I was, I'm like, I'm never going to be like huge, you know, like, like mm -hmm. in terms of like my body weight and stuff. And so I had to, I had to meet my means in another way. And that was just by getting stronger. Um, and so by no means am I a professional at fitness. I'm constantly learning and I would never, really advise anyone on fitness tips because it's not something that I am completely aware about. Like I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm not, I, no one should ask me for advice. I can only give like the bare minimum and stuff, but it is a big part of my life. Just fitness in general, it just, you know, it, it puts you in a good mindset. And even though I'm not really fully competing right now, I make sure that I keep up with it uh, just for my own well-being. And so whenever I am golfing, I can also uh, keep up the par. 
the reason I'm asking that, just looking at your life from this outside perspective, it's like, okay, professional golfer, also, you know, you've been to the SBs, you've, you're with all these athletes, your job is mm-hmm. to, you know, be on, you're doing shot makers, you've also been in pageants that you're competing in, you're mm-hmm. also a dancer, you're yeah. also in fit, right? So it's like, this is like an impressive list of things that a lot of people maybe one of those doesn't speak to them or all of them, but they'll, they'll find something where it's like, that sure seems like that would equal me being happy in my life if I just had that one component. I'm trying to get your perspective on life. It's, it seems like at some level, I mean, that's the whole lean-in book by Sheryl Sandberg. It's like if women become more successful, they're actually disliked by both genders more. And if a, if a guy becomes more successful, he is liked by both genders more. So if a guy's being you know, more assert- assertive, he's called a leader, whereas if a woman's being more assertive, she's being called bossy. But huh. interesting. But not that, so not to touch so much on that, but more this idea that as you get more successful for you, people might actually, you might, they might feel more alienated from you or they might be more jealous of you. So do you think that reaching right. higher levels of success actually alienates you from people's sympathy? Like, does that line up to your experience? Um, well, I mean, yeah, I guess there have been experiences where I, I may have felt that my quote-unquote success has driven maybe not so great relationships to fall apart for me, but for the most, but that's very, very, like, that's a very small percentage. I think if mm. anything, it's gone the other way, and I think it really just depends on your mindset about it. I think, well, firstly, I don't even feel like I've had so much success in my lifetime. There are so many things I want to do, mm-hmm. so so there's that, and and with that, like for the small successes that I, the small wins that I, I have had, I just make sure that I keep like the close net of people that I keep in my life. I keep the ones that are always very supportive of me and I'm very supportive of them. So I've been fortunate to not really receive very much backlash from that. So no, mm. I don't really think I've been alienated or in anything like that. And also too, the one thing that I think is important about being an influencer on Instagram is one, I never take myself as a quote-unquote celebrity. I think that's very weird mm-hmm. when people, some people will DM me and be like, oh my God, I can't believe you DM me back or whatever like that. Like, no, it's not that. I'm a normal human being. I live at home with my mom. I don't make that much money, like, but I enjoy what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I think the one thing about that is that as an influencer, and it's, and it's my policy too, is I want to I, I try I try to influence my followers by being relatable to them on a very human level because I want to show people that like I am I'm just like them like you can have a conversation with me you can pick my brain about whatever it is it gets tough to reply back to DMs and stuff like mm-hmm. that but that's that's really important to me so that when success does come I don't there is no separation between there is no alien nation if that's a word between me and and everyone else I try and be you know, relatable, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And like you're saying, that divide between, I guess, you know, I don't know how the celebrity label, I guess it's kind of like you're saying, that's the influencer is definitely there. It's almost like two different worlds. One, they're getting paid to be authentic or relatable. And the celebrities, mm-hmm. it's like they are maybe supposed to be larger than life and almost in one sense, not relatable because mm-hmm. so I, maybe, maybe that's kind of a difference where I think there is this temptation for the celebrities to maintain this facade that if you could achieve the things I've achieved, that equals a happy life. Whereas mm-hmm. I don't, it's like who act, I mean, a lot of people believe that, but when you actually, you know, talk to someone and get to know them, I've yet to find somebody say that this one achievement actually 
is what makes them happy in life. Right. Because like, you're, right. Sa like yeah. you're saying, your perspective, you're 25, think of all the things you've accomplished for a lot of people. It's like, well, that sure seems like a lot to me, but that's just part of your competitive mm -hmm. mentality where it's like you're always looking to improve, you're always looking to grow. It's like, yes. right, so it's like, yes. But so from your, I get that your self-perception is different, like you're saying, mm -hmm. and all the people you surround yourself with, it's like, well, look at all the things Steph Curry's doing. Uh, comparatively, I'm doing nothing. Like, oh my goodness, right, but, <laughs> right, it's like, yeah. what is, right, but for, you know, for other people, it's like they're looking at you saying, wow, how did she get to this level of fame? I wish I could, you know, I dance, but I don't, I haven't got a following. Like, I haven't, you know, I golf, I haven't mm -hmm. got a following. So it's like, it's, right. all, it's always, I guess, it seems like people, always, especially those that are growth mindset, they're always looking at how to improve and they're never realizing that for a lot of people, they may be what they would consider successful. Right. I mean, I think, I think success is obviously defined differently by every single person. I don't define like my success, quote unquote success. I don't, I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say, but it, success is just, it's defined differently between everybody. And mm -hmm. no, you're like my success doesn't equal necessarily my happiness. I think what equals my happiness and being fulfilled is the relationships I make mm -hmm. on the way to success. I think that's the most important thing is your relationships and friendships that you make in life. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and that's interesting because so for a lot of people, they sacrifice those or they're not true to themselves in order to get the outward form of success, right? That mm -hmm. they think that's what will make them happy is if I just appear on a magazine or if I have this many followers mm -hmm. and they're giving up the very things that actually do make them happy in order to chase this false illusion. Yeah, I mean, granted, I mean, sure, maybe there are some people who find success to be the way that they feel fulfilled of reaching a capstone and or something, or you crossing something off their list that they've achieved. But I mean, to me, it's like, what is success if you have no one to share that appreciation or that love with? You know, like if, if I had no one in my life and I just kept doing what I was doing, super career driven and only that, and let's say I'm on the cover of some magazine and I'm doing this and that, but what is it to me if I have, I don't get to express my joy with my mom or with my best friends or with other people in my field? that means nothing to me you know like it's just different I, obviously like I said it's different for everybody but to me it's what's really important to me is the relationships and friendships that I make along the way and obviously like I'm career driven as well mm -hmm. but uh, you have to have that fine balance like yes you cut out some people to, to get to where you are but you you what you I what I would tell people is you cut out the negative people that are that are hindering your success but you keep the people who are there with you. So you have people to, to enjoy that moment with. Yeah, and I appreciate you sharing that. Because like I said, like your, your perception may not be you've arrived anywhere or you've done anything, but I think for a lot of mm -hmm. people, they would look at that differently and say, okay, that's reassuring to me that while maybe outwardly I don't have the same level of success as you do, I am kind of like mm -hmm. being reassured that what really brings satisfaction and fulfillment in life isn't from these external things. It's great if you have them, work towards them, put all your yeah. passion into it, but don't count on that being the thing that makes your life worth living. Yeah, totally. I mean, and too, like, like I think the hardest thing in life, and everyone is a, a victim of it, is comparing your success to another person's success. But a lot of the times, like, honestly, the biggest success I feel in a day is getting through my checklist or, like, feeling like I've grown personally and no one would know that I've, I feel like I've made a growth in my personal life through mm -hmm. my social media. But to me, that's like a big win. And so, like I said, success is defined by each individual to, to who their own. 
but a lot of my biggest wins feel like the ones that aren't shown and the ones and the ones where I am praised or I do receive an award or whatever it is cool that's great but that's not where I feel like my largest success is in life I feel like I'm winning when I'm doing my personal stuff interesting I guess I'll kind of close with this question and kind of you can t feel free to talk about anything you want but social mm -hmm. media so what with what you just said that a lot of the things you feel most accomplished for or you're most proud of aren't actually mm -hmm. shown how do you then mm -hmm. relate that with a lot of your job or some of your job is in dealing with social media like what do you view mm -hmm. social media like what's its role in a person's life or in your life or right so okay how do i put this into words so i feel like my biggest wins come from my personal endeavors that i may not put out there so meaning like even if it's like improving my relationship with my family mm -hmm. or my significant other or my relationship with myself trying to find out what my purpose is in life and what my personal goals are goals are and when i figure a little bit about me or improve in a, a relationship in my personal life mm -hmm. i feel like that equates to me being completely fulfilled and being happy with myself and with that then with me being happy with myself that's where i put in the social media and just try and put out good energy to the world and show you know, like my enjoyment of life and through golf and happiness and stuff like that. So does that answer the question? I'm <laughs> no, yeah, no, it does. I just I just think it, it, it feels like it feels like a lot of people, they're looking at social media to construct their view of what real life is like. And it's like, well, yeah. so it's only giving you a part of the puzzle. You really have to figure out a lot of it kind of like you're saying through relationships with your families, with others and that. Social media isn't meant to give you a full view of what life is like. It's only a, a, a snapshot of it or a part of it. Right, right. And, and, and I'd like to say, though, for me personally, I, I'm pretty transparent, I feel, um, with my personality and my life in my social media. Like, I just don't think that there's any other way to live it. Like, I think I don't ever want to put myself out falsely to anyone who's following me, like who I am and, and my social media is really who I am in real life. And people can argue that otherwise for other people. Like sure. I know I've met other influencers that don't appear like who they seem like they are on social to being in person. And so, and so, yeah, there's that too. But for me personally, I do my best to live transparently through my social and show people the way I know I am um, in person to um, what they see on my feed. Right. And the, the point you were making is there's a lot of like these intangible, hard to express things in life that, you know, that's mm -hmm. where you find the most meaning. But how do you get, how do you convey that through a picture or a few words? It's right. Like you can't. Right. There's a lot you've experienced in life that it's fun to hear from like, I'm curious, what would it be like? It's, it's fun to get just a quick, you know, insight into that. So I really appreciate you sharing with us. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, um, for anyone who is listening, if you guys aren't following, um, uh, be sure to follow Andrew and the rest of the podcasts that he intends to do in the future. And be sure to follow me at Tisha Allen. That is T-I-S-H-A-A-L-Y-N, Tisha Allen. And I'll link it below. Appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much. Focus on the ones I love. Yeah, that my folks. People love to talk to talk, but don't really know. Next episode, we'll be talking with Joe, the co-creator of the Light Phone, and exploring what role technology has in our lives. You won't want to miss it.